my name is Autumn, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet before, and I have the honor of introducing tonight's speakers. Oh. Um, we're going to hear from Dr. and Mrs. Wardle. I'd say I know pretty well, normally I just call them mom and dad. Um, but anyways, in honor of Valentine's Day, we're going to be hearing a bit about um, their story, their relationship, how God's been present through all of that. And um, I'm really blessed to have grown up in a family where I get to see a godly relationship, a godly marriage modeled for me every day. And I'm super excited to hear this story. I've only heard bits and pieces different times. Um, so yeah, I'm excited that all of you guys will get to hear from people that have poured so much into me. And without further ado, welcome, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Chicago. Uh, I have two brothers. My dad is a pastor. 
I was the oldest brother, the oldest son, so lots of people assumed that I would become a pastor just like my dad. And I always expect, uh, respected and admired what he did, but I did not want to be a pastor. Um, in fact, I had no idea what I, do with my, what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew it wasn't to be a pastor. And I grew up in Colorado with three sisters, and so all girls, and I was the third, so I was kind of like not as serious as the oldest, a little more um, haphazard. But played sports a lot, um, involved in church, dated a little bit, but mostly just was busy playing sports and going to church. I didn't date very much either in high school, but my brother, who you'll see a picture of him in a little bit, and my best friend constantly had girlfriends. So I was the, the perennial third wheel. <laughs> Always, it felt like. Um, so I got really good at being in awkward situations. It was, it was perfect. Uh, so we both ended up at Wheaton College. That's where we met. So Wheaton College is a small liberal arts school in the Chicago suburbs. I went 45 minutes to school. Sherry drove 15 hours to come to school, so uh, quite a bit of a difference there. Um, what else did I say? Oh, the first time we met. The first, okay. <laughs> uh, I need to explain a little bit. At Wheaton College, there are these things called roommate roulettes. So think about on your hall, if your roommate got to set you up with someone on oh. this campus, and you know, the whole hall would go on a date at the same time. Right? Does that make sense? Right? The whole hall goes. It's a giant group thing. And your roommate would set you up, but usually you could say to your roommate, hey, can you ask that person for me? Right? So it's kind of worked out. So I had my roommate ask Shiv to go on this. So this is like fall of our freshman year. And it was great. It's a great event, and I thought it was great for years until I found out something a little later. But I didn't remember going. So I actually remember <laughs> going. I remember going, but I didn't know who I went with. But it was like... the worst. <laughs> it was freshman year, I played soccer, and then decided to play basketball because Chicago's freezing cold and you can't like walk or run outside all winter because it's covered in ice. And so I was like, okay, can I play basketball? Just be a scrub, so I did. And I was invited, I didn't know anyone on Traber 4, Traber 3, didn't even know the floor. So I was just worried, I was like, I was invited, I don't know anyone that's going, and Melissa, my friend, was like, hey, I'm going on that roulette. I was like, great. So I remember going with Melissa to the Traber 4 roulette. But clearly there was a disconnect, clearly. So um, uh, On the other hand, the first time that I saw Tim was, like, the first week of school, and we were in the dining hall, and he's kind of tall, and so um, one of my best friends, we went from kindergarten through college together, and she's like, Sherry, do you see that guy over there? That's Tim Wardle. He's Jeff's older brother. Well, Rachel had had like a camp crush on Jeff, because we had gone to summer camp together a few weeks before, or a few like years before. Um, so that was the first time I saw Tim, and I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> I doubt that was the reaction. <laughs> All right, so Abby, um, yeah, Sherry said she played soccer and ran uh, and played basketball. I ran track uh, and did lots of intramurals. I was an inner tube water polo champion. Do they do inner tube water polo here? From I was ultimate frisbee champion. But inner tube water polo. I mean, <laughs> come on, that's, you guys should do that. Um, so lots of intramurals, track. Um, there were a lot, Wheaton was a Christian school, so there were lots of opportunities to do 
Christian-y kind of thing. So there was, we had Bible studies, other things. I'm, one very memorable thing is we would go downtown Chicago and tutor um, inner city youth one night a week. Let's say it was Wednesday night. So we'd get in vans, we'd probably like five vans, people would go down, we'd, we'd tutor some kids for a couple hours and we'd come back. And the very memorable moment was we got out of the vans and we heard gunshots. And we're first sort of like, fireworks, what's going on? And then we heard a ricochet near us and we all dove back into the vans um, for about two minutes and then we were fine. But that was, that was a little sobering moment. Thankfully, not most, we were not allowed us to go back, but that was a normal occurrence. Um, the thing that I probably should tell you that I am not the most proud of, but the most memorable thing I probably did at Wheaton was I was on snow crew. You don't have that here at Furman. But I was a snow crew team leader. What that meant was at 4.30 in the morning, when it had snowed, I got a phone call. And I had to call eight other guys who were on my snow crew team. And we got our shovels and shoveled for like three hours. Shoveling, sidewalks, driveways. Also, we had like a quadrant of Wheaton College campus. Um, so not the most like impactful thing I was in, but no one else here has been on snow crew, have you? <laughs> yeah. There are advantages to the South. Yeah. That's fun. Um, good. Okay, so it's funny because in, okay, so in college I didn't date a ton of people, but I went on several dates just because there were big dates and things like that. And um, so it just so happened that I went on a date with my roommate's husband, um, now husband. <laughs> they weren't dating, they weren't married at the time. No. Um, and then another date I went on, then a few years later, my best friend who pointed him out to me, um, started dating him and married him. So, and then another friend, the play I played soccer with, I had gone on a date with her husband. Right now, husband. Um, I wanted to get say, married. Go on a date with Sherry once. <laughs> I did say, just ask me who I've gone on a date with, and then they're suitable. So I've checked them off. They're good. Um, but all that to say that I have seen those people since. At Christmas time, we actually had dinner with Rachel and Chris, and so it was. It's fine. Like our kids know them. We have fun with them. Um, but as you're dating people, as you think, if you think of them as your brother or sister in Christ. Um, and not as like a dating relationship, what can I get out of this? If there's no like physical intimacy, then it's easier later in life. You're not gonna cut off relationships because of something that you had with them prior. Um, and Tim's like, well, I didn't really date these people. And I was looking through photo books today and I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many pictures of like him and one girl. I'm like, what about this girl? What about this girl? What about, oh, well, well, well. Anyway. Um, we were friends. He's like, oh, we were friends. I know, we're like, yeah, we're friends too. Uh, but the same thing for him, right? So our families had stayed at people's houses. Who this girl really likes him, but this didn't work out. But she married a great guy, and so um, those relationships can carry on. So as you think about, like, if you're dating people now, or you're just going out on dates, or if you're friends with people, if it doesn't work out, they may end up with somebody else, and they may end up with your roommate. They may end up with your friend, and you want to keep those relationships. So just stay pure, and treat everyone as your brother and sister in Christ, and then you can keep those relationships throughout your life. So, all right, so Ashley, can you put the first picture up? Yeah, so can you spot the two good-looking people up here? It's not, all good pictures, all pictures of you are good. 
All right, so I'm here, Sherry, it's up at the top, she's such shorter hair. So this is when we worked at a place called Honey Rock Camp. Um, I worked at this camp after my freshman, sophomore, and senior years of college, and Sherry worked at this camp after her junior and senior years of college. Um, so it, this, it has a special place in my heart, and this is when I was leading work crew. So I was in charge of, um, I was kind of shared to be in charge of four like other college group kids who were then in charge of about 30 high school kids. We just did work all summer. Um, and can you show the next one to you, Ashley? And here's one of my brothers, and then Sherry and I at graduation. So photo proof that we were friends in college. Uh, we didn't But really notice it's not just us. Jeff is also in the picture, but there are several pictures with you and just others. But it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad today I was like, oh my goodness, I could be better. But I was like, I'm thankful he chose me because he had all these other options. <laughs> <laughs> we might need some therapy later. <laughs> So, Sherry and I were friends all throughout college. We worked at the same camp after one, during one summer. Like, we were friends. We had the same circle of friends. But we never really dated. Like, other than the date she doesn't remember. And then our senior year, I asked Sherry out twice. And then I asked her out a third time, and the third time she said, no, I'm interested in someone else. So that was the extent of our dating history at Wheaton. So, like, all I have to say, we were friends for four years, but it wasn't romantic really in any way, shape, or form, even though I kind of wanted it to be my senior year. Um, it wasn't, and that was fun. Anything? No. Okay. <laughs> um, Ashley, can you put it up? So one of the things I wanted to... Oh, do you want me to, do you want me to tell that story? Or do you, want me to... you go, go. Okay. All right, so can you see this? Can you see the, the X and Y axis? I feel very sophisticated when I say that. <laughs> you have objectivity and intimacy. Okay? So this is not a, it's not a very sophisticated graph. But here's, here's the point that I, I would not have had this language in college. But about five years ago, our church did like a series on like helping parents, helping parent kids, helping parents parent their kids through basically like one through 18. And so when they got to the adolescent years, this is one of the, the graphs that was used. So, uh, I thought it was worth sharing with you. So here's why. If, you, if you're interested in someone, um, your objectivity at that point in time, when you haven't gone on any dates, you don't really know the person, but you're interested, your objectivity is pretty high, which means you can take a pretty hard look at that person and know who they are. Right? You can observe them, you can watch how they interact with others, are they respectful, are they honest, and they live their life with integrity. Right? So that would be you're on that side of it. Objectivity is high, intimacy is low. Right? So you can get a pretty clear-eyed view of who someone is. The more intimate you become, and that's not just physical, but physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, it can be spiritual intimacy as well. Like the more, the, the more time you spend with the person, the less objective you are in seeing them. Right? And that's not always a bad thing. Right? Shay and I have been married for almost 24 years now, and I'm glad that she's not always objective when she sees me. Like she's on my side. Right? Because we have 24 years of history, if I get a gray hair, which I sometimes am getting, it's okay. If I break my foot and I have to get on crutches for a while, she's okay with that, right? So we're not always being, we don't always evaluate each other, right? Because objectivity is lower for us. Does that make sense? Right? So here's why I'm showing you this. When you think about dating relationships, um, my recommendation, I don't know, I hesitate to call it wisdom, 
My recommendation is to keep objectivity high as long as possible, right? If you're interested in someone, do things in groups. Do things during the day. Um, find a common hobby that you and others like to do and go do those things, right? But don't put yourself in situations where, um, where physical intimacy can occur or even just emotional intimacy. Like if, when you're alone a lot, you're sliding farther and farther along. It's not like this is a downward spiral or a downward slide, right? It's not a slippery slope kind of thing. But if, if one of the reasons you date, right, and some you can date because it's just fun, you can date because you want to fall in love with someone, but really, I mean, one of the goals of dating is you could marry this person. When you're in high school, that seems really far away. When you're in college, it's actually getting closer, right? The people that you are interested in, the people that you are dating, they could become someone that you marry someday. And you want to have a clear-eyed view of them. Right? You want to see how they interact with other people, who they are, how they respond to situations. Are they spiritually mature? Are they spiritually immature? The farther you go on that intimacy level, the more intimate you are with someone, the harder it is to see that clearly. Right? And you want, to, you want to go into a relationship, you don't have to go into a relationship saying, I'm going to marry this person. Right? That's kind of weird. But you do want to go into the relationship saying, this is the kind of person that I could be interested in marrying. That makes sense. And so Tim and I um, knew each other all through college, right? He ran drag. I played soccer and basketball. It's a small school, so our paths overlapped. Um, he came to the basketball banquet several times, just not with me. Um, but anyway, um, as, so it was, like he said, he worked at camp after freshman sophomore summer. I worked after junior summer, and then we both worked after senior summer. And it turned out that we were both going up to camp a week late. Um, I had to take exams in Colorado for teacher certification so that I could teach there. And then he was traveling to Israel with his family. And so he was going to be going to camp a week late as well. So I flew into Chicago and got a, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because I was trying to figure out how I was going to do it. Because you can't really fly into Three Lakes, Wisconsin. Um, it's small. So I flew into Chicago, and Tim gave me a ride, and we're driving up there, it's like six hours or something, and I was like, oh my gosh, you just went to Israel. Like, how cool was it to like walk where Jesus walked, to see where he lived, and what he had done, and um, where he taught, and he just was like driving along the road, and he goes, you know, it's really not that much different when you walk with him every day. And at that point, I was like, I could marry him. Oh. Like, Words. Words. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this friendship, but then it was like, oh, he doesn't like, like maybe he likes me, but his focus is on Jesus. And I was like, if his focus is on Jesus, then like I'm in. Um, so I guess just my encouragement to you is do the things that you're going to be doing. Do the things that you love. And where God is leading you and taking you, and then kind of just see like who's doing that with you, who's alongside you, who's next to you, um, and following God in the same way. It's a much better place to meet someone at a bar, right? Do things that you love doing. Do things that we're helping other people. Work, get involved in the church and serve in a ministry, and serve in some capacity at the church. See who else is doing it, right? Because that's the kind of person you want to be like. All right, so we graduated from college. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Sherry knew what she was going to do with her life, but I didn't. 
She was going to move back to Colorado, right? I wanted to teach and ski because I like skiing. She does like skiing, that's true. Uh, she wanted to teach and ski and be in Colorado, and I had lived for a summer in Ukraine, um, which is interesting now that things are happening in Ukraine. Um, I was Sorry, which is why I wasn't interested in him in the first place, because he wanted to be a missionary in Ukraine, and I didn't want to go to Ukraine. I wanted to live in Colorado and ski. <laughs> so it took a while for her to come around. Right? Um, so after graduating from college, I didn't know what I was going to do, and I ended up going to a small Bible school in England for six months. Um, I don't know how it all came about. It was like we took classes in a castle. It was technically a hall, not a castle, because it didn't have a moat. I, don't, I didn't need a moat. It looked like a castle. <laughs> so we took, I took like three hours of Bible classes in the morning. We had all afternoon free, and then we had two classes, Bible classes at night for six months. So every afternoon, I played soccer with uh, guys. There was 180 students, people from 38 different countries, so super international. Um, and it was there that I met uh, six Israelis. Um, met, uh, five of the six were uh, Messianic Jews. One of them was an Arab Christian. And they're the ones who introduced me to Israel, in a sense. So that, that's another part of our story. Oh yeah, but during this whole time, Sherry and I had not dated in college, really. We hadn't really dated over the summer, but we worked at the same college, or the same camp during the summer. And at the end of camp, right before I left for college, or for England, we decided that we'd start writing letters to each other. So this is back in the day when you actually got a piece of paper and a pen, and you wrote on it, and then you had to put it in the mail, right? So not email, not text. There were computers with email, but he only had access to email, like, I don't know. 30, 30 minutes a day, three days a week. That was my allotment for email. Right? So this is dark ages. Dark ages. <laughs> so I'd write a letter. It would take a week to get to Sherry. She'd write a letter every week. So I was like, about two weeks after I wrote a letter, I'd be hoping for one back. All right, so it was pretty slow. But we got to know each other, not just as friends at Wheaton, but then also like we were pen pals, right? <laughs> so we wrote letters and uh, it, was a, it was just a slow process, right? But we were trying to figure out, like, are we interested in each other? And we were a little bit, obviously. I wouldn't have written letters to each other. Um, but it was a really good way uh, to get to know each other. So um, I wasn't sure to put this in, the, in what we're going to say tonight, so I'll just throw it in here. <laughs> uh, those of you in my Paul class, a few of you are, you've heard some of this. Uh, you've definitely heard some of this. So in thinking about our relationship, so after we, after we wrote letters, we actually then did kind of start dating, but we were long distance dating. She was in Colorado, I was in Chicago. And, but we, we would get together for like to go to friends' weddings, right? So we do like we go to friends' weddings, we go to different events. And so we were dating at the time. So things like, um, sexual purity became more of an issue because now we were dating, because we hadn't really been before. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about things that Paul said in his letters. So this is, Paul people, this is one of the things we've talked about. Paul, it's interesting that Paul will tie together two things that you wouldn't necessarily think he tied, but would go together. He ties together idolatry and sexual immorality. And Paul will just say, the Gentiles, or the people who are, the people who are not followers, just like, that's just the kind of things they do. They're idol worshippers, and they're mixed up with sexual morality. So the flip side of that would be 
the positives of it, if you worship God, and then committing to a life of sexual integrity, right? And the other side of that is idolatry and sexual morality. So the way Paul tied this together is he would say, he doesn't, I mean, it's really between the lines. But it matters what you worship, and it matters who you worship. So you, if you worship God, your priorities are going to be aligned in the right direction, right? And because your priorities are aligned in the right direction, if you're thinking about God, if you're meditating on his word, you're going to naturally become more like God because that's what you're thinking about. That's what you're doing, right? And so the worship of the one God, the true God, forms you. It shapes you in a certain direction. It gives you certain desires. The flip side then would be if you are worshiping something other than God, and you could put almost anything in that equation, you could put yourself, you could put reputation, you could put money, um, you could put a relationship, anything like that, right? But if you put anything else in the, in the place of God, and that's the thing that you think about all the time, and that's the thing that you spend time with that person, doing that thing, trying to get that thing, right? If you're worshiping the wrong thing, you're, you're not actually going to be satisfied. Because you're always going to be looking for that thing to fulfill you, and it can't. And the striking thing to me is that Paul equates that then with disordered desire. So if you are worshiping the wrong thing, idolatry, you are, for Paul, you're inevitably going to fall into some sort of sexual morality. Now, I don't know if that's true across the board, right? But it's important what you think about. It's important what you spend time doing. It's important what you worship. Because that, that has consequences, right? So thinking about it in a dating relationship, right? If you're spending all your time thinking about that one person, right, your focus is not in the right direction. You're putting too much weight on that person, first of all. They cannot provide for all of your needs. They just can't. No human being can. But also, you're losing sight of what really matters. Right? So what really matters is following Jesus and loving Jesus, and then everything else will fall into place underneath that, hopefully. Um, if you're focusing on something below Jesus, something lower, all your other things are going to get messed up. Right? And you're not going to be living the way you should. You're going to be formed in the wrong directions. The wrong direction. Yeah. And so, and I wanted to say too that, um, like, this is just our story, right? But everyone has a different story. And we have several friends that didn't get married um, and aren't married and that are serving God in great ways. And in a lot of ways, there, it gives you more time and more energy and more capacity to do other things. Um, so just everyone has, like, if you're following God, he'll bring you what he has for you. But that marriage is not the goal in life. It is, it is a journey, and it is part of the way. Um, but also that we, even like, we don't have it all figured out. There's no finish line. Um, when Tim finished his, he defended his dissertation when we were at Duke. And I would remember saying to a woman at the church, like, oh, he's, he defended his dissertation. I'm so glad. And her husband was um, a medical professor at Duke. And she looked at me and she said, there will always be something. Like, this isn't that. And I was like, a little bit disappointed, but it was actually really good wisdom. Like, there's you're not completed. And this weekend, uh, I was at a winter retreat for our high school. We help with the high school at our church. And someone put it this way, too, that our identity is not outcome-based. It's like who we are. 
So if you say you're a runner and you sign up to run a half marathon and you train and you go for it, well, when the half marathon is finished, do you stop and never ever run again, right? If you're a runner, you're gonna keep running because that's who you are and it's, and it's part of you. It's not like goal oriented. And so if we are believers, if we're Christians, like are we studying that as like a goal or a completion or are we just walking with God every day? Are we spending time in his word every day um, and listening to him and training to be more like Christ? All right, one final thing, because I think our time is about up. Um, Sherry and I, uh, we had a number of comments. It was actually fascinating for us to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, because we disagreed on some things. So here's one of the things we disagreed on. Sherry's like, you should date for fun. And I was like, no, you have to be serious about it. Right? We're so, driving here, and he goes, like, it's a long-term goal. Like, you should be serious and focused. And I'm like, no, you're in college. Have fun. Date as many people as possible. <laughs> So, I'm going to go, since I get to speak now, yeah, I'm going to say what I think. But you just sort of shared it, so it's not what it I think it's healthy to keep a long view in mind. Um, and this is another thing that I've been thinking about because of teaching this class on Paul. Uh, when Paul talks about how a Christian should live, and for our purposes tonight, it would be in dating relationships. How should you live in a dating relationship? Uh, but in the, Christian, in the Christian walk more generally, how should you live? Well, you need to live a certain way, and how do you live that certain way? How do you have the strength to live a certain way? When you know that, you, or you feel like, I could be having more fun doing something else, or I feel like I'm maybe missing out, where do you get the strength to, to make the right choices, to do the things that need to be done, and you know they need to be done, and you want to do them, mostly, right? And for Paul, I think it was taking the long view. So Paul kept his eyes fixed on the fact that Jesus was going to return. And he said, hope is what makes life now, or life in the moment worthwhile. To put it differently, hope makes holiness worthwhile. So if you're going to live a holy life, if you're going to make the choices where you're going to be following Jesus day in and day out, making the choices you need to make, whether you're in a dating relationship or not, how can you keep doing that? And I think that the answer is by taking the long view, by thinking about Jesus' return. Okay? In the light of that, in the light of the fact that Jesus is king and he will return, it gives you the strength to live in the present. Right? Hope makes holiness worthwhile. It makes it possible, I think. And I think this works in all areas of our life. Let's say you want to be a lawyer. So 15 years from now, you want to be a lawyer. But you have to think, well, what do I have to do now in order in 15 years to be that lawyer? Right? I have to study now. I, have to get in, I want to get accepted to law school. And I have to the bar, then I got to get in the right firm, like you can plot it out. But if you don't have a plan, you're never going to get there. And so I, what I would say is it's, it's a, there's similarities to dating relationships, right? If the end goal is marriage, right? And when you're in high school, when you're a freshman in college, I'm not going to marriage, right? But at some point, you know, you're adults now and you're old enough to get married. So be, by thinking about this could end in marriage, think, is this the kind of person that I could actually marry? And if it is, or if it isn't, it doesn't matter in this case. It matters how you treat the other person in that relationship, right? You gotta keep the end goal in mind. The end goal is you're just gonna return us, so I need to live a certain way in, in the moment, in the present. Okay, I think that's all we have. So, um, why don't I pray, and then worship team, you guys can come on up, okay?
Father, thanks for tonight. Thanks for this opportunity to share a little bit of our story and to share some of the things that we've learned along the way. I pray that your spirit be at work um, in our hearts and in the hearts of everyone who is here, that they would see you and see you clearly and want to follow you. And I pray that everyone would make the right choices, the right steps, the right moves to put themselves in a position to be following you wholeheartedly. Thanks for tonight. Thanks for your love for us. Amen. Thank you.